Hi, hello and welcome. This is the Zonecast where we interview emerging professionals, entrepreneurs and academics. And uh, today we have with us on the show uh, Miriam uh, Weyberg. She is the founder of uh, Bloom Digital. Uh, hi, Miriam. How are you? Welcome to the show. Hi. How are you? I'm great. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm great and I'm excited to learn about uh, what you do. Uh, so can we start by talking about your professional and personal background? Uh, sure. I'm a game developer and executive producer whose company, Bloom Digital, has been making games since 2012. We make games that are – currently we've made two games. They're both digital novels – I mean, sorry, visual novels, which is a form of game where you – make choices in an interactive story. So dialogue pushes the game forward and it's a lot about uh, romance and mysteries and it's very story-based. And the two games we have are called Long Story and Later Daters. And both of ours are romance games. And my Uh, background, uh, I have an arts background and I was a web developer for I think almost a a decade before I transitioned into game production. Oh, fantastic. So can you tell us more about Bloom Digital, uh, how old is Bloom Digital and how the idea came about? Uh, so Bloom Digital is about uh, eight years old. And when I founded the company, I had been working at a, at a different company that made kids games and apps. And I was really interested in making kids games and apps that dealt with healthcare and health initiatives. It's been eight years, so that vision has changed substantially. <laughs> We still mm-hmm. want to make games for all ages, but uh, the health focus has sort of shifted to one that's a little bit more about games that are about mm, developing maybe a stronger emotional component in the game, making games that are about people's feelings or about relationships without so much of a focus on like health in the in the more medical definition of it. Uh, and how did I get the idea? The idea came to me because. Uh, it felt like, like when I was working in the kids game scene, it felt like young people, especially teenagers, were using digital tools for much more than just sort of diversions and entertainment. They were using it for self-expression. They were using it to help define a sense of who they were. They were using it to build really strong friendships. And it just seemed much more of an important medium than necessarily people thought. So I wanted to make games that were more aware of how important gaming and pretend is in digital tools for kids. And then, you know, since having started to do that, I've realized that, uh uh-oh. Since starting to do that, I've realized that uh, for adults, the same is true. So just making more in-depth digital games for all ages is good. So... um who are you making these games for? Like, uh, do you have like any B2B clients uh, who, who who hire you to make these games or do you sell it directly to the consumer? Uh, who's your target market? Uh, the target market for our first game was teenagers. So it was a game about being in relationships and having healthy relationships. And so we developed it specifically for young people who were maybe curious, like, you know, grade eight to maybe grade grade 10 or maybe even younger grade 7 to grade 10 and it was like the idea of consent and how to be uh respectful of each other and how to 
how to understand how to be a good person in a relationship. So kind of directly opposite to what a lot of other media was teaching kids about how to be romantic. And so there our target market was 14 year olds and we sell directly to them via Apple, via the iStore and Android. And then our newest game, Later Daters, is about a very similar content. It's about being a senior citizen and moving to a retirement home and having to learn how to date once you're old. And uh, it is geared towards all ages, but it also talks about how to be a respectful person and how to have healthy relationships. Interesting, interesting. So I guess uh, with your games, the idea is uh, to to educate people about relationships is is that part of the plan in a really really like subtle way <laughs> we don't it's not like we're not it's not educational and like people aren't going to get uh they're not going to feel like they're being educated but yeah i mean our we're trying to create games that talk about the potential for a better world and i think that potential is mostly expressed through having healthy and respectful relationships with each other so that's a big part of the content of the game is how do you how do you make it so that you are you are having a fun time in the game and also you're being fair to the people you're playing to the characters that you're meeting in the game world. Wow. So now I'm I'm definitely curious like the games that you, you made for teenagers uh you you said you're selling these to the app stores, right? Yep. Okay. So like in the app stores, like there's so many apps and so many games and a lot of them are free and, and there's so much competition. So, mm -hmm. so definitely I'm curious about how do you get the attention and, uh, and how you monetize your games. Uh, so, uh, long story, we released as a mobile game first. And so the first episode was free and then subsequent episodes cost a dollar ninety nine. And then we released two free mini episodes towards the end just to kind of boys, uh, raise our, raise awareness of the game again. Um, it's been a while since we added new content to Long Story, so we're pushing that a little bit differently now. Like, you know, we discounted and things. I think if we added a second season to it, then probably it would go back up again in the ratings. Um, it's a lot of word of mouth. I think that sells games to teenagers because they they don't tend to read uh, game traditional games press and they sometimes follow uh, IGN the Independent Games Network is on Snapchat so they will pay attention to that but in general it's mostly like they look at what's highly rated and they look at what their friends are playing um, mm -hmm. for later daters we were uh, targeting a more general demographic so we launched with that one out on Steam and on Nintendo Switch first and we had a bunch of streamers and influencers play it, and we also got traditional PR, so we had articles in the games press, and that's how we've attracted an audience. I mean, games are entertainment, so ultimately if the content is of interest to people and if the pitch is good, uh, you'll get players, and if the content does not differentiate itself from what else is out there, then it is harder to get an audience. So I think we pick pretty unique stories. So we are different, and it is easier for people to find us as a result of that. We're probably the first ever dating sim set in a retirement home, for example. Mm, <laughs> I can't. Yeah. I can't think of another one. <laughs> so, so for the the games that you have for like uh, senior people, um, do you think that 
um, technology would be a barrier for them in in them uh, playing these games or buying these games. Or do you think do you think they they're tech savvy enough to uh, try mobile gaming? Uh, well, it's not it's not for senior people. It's for all ages. Oh, all so ages. Yeah. So it's kind of like the Golden Girls, if you're familiar with that TV show. Although it's an old one, so maybe not. But um. No, I'm not. Oh, okay. Our inspiration was a TV show that was from the 80s called Golden Girls. That was a sitcom that was about four elderly women who retire together to Florida and basically like hang out together being single in a house in Florida. And the story is all about their dating adventures. And so we wanted to make that game, but like that TV show, but make it a game. And our ta- like we kind of assumed, and I think we were correct, that there was an appetite for romantic stories that weren't just about, you know, young, romantic naive people that would be more fun for any age of audience to play a game where the people being romantic were older and had a lot more experience and had a lot more stories to tell and a lot more maybe issues and memories that made it harder for them to fall in love again. So we have found that the people playing the game range really broadly in age, but start as young as 22. Like the only people who seem less interested in the game might be seniors who are already dating and are like, that game is too much like my own life. So I'm not that interested in it. But otherwise, it has a very broad appeal. I think some teenagers don't like it because teenagers don't really think about being senior citizens that much ever. For good reason. Uh, We have a game for them. So that's okay. (laughs) So so your product is like a freemium version. You know, you can play up to a certain level um, free free of charge and then if you want to play more or if you want to access more levels then you buy buy the buy additional stuff right uh no that was how long story was but later daters is premium so we're selling that on switch and on steam for 7.99 for the first three episodes and then we're going to have three more episodes come out in fall of 2020 and those will be another 7.99 so the whole, all told, the whole game's going to cost $14.99. Mm-hmm. And I'm also curious to know about how the game works. So, so is it like a very traditional game where the guy, um, because a dating game is maybe kind of a niche, uh, mm-hmm. niche gaming, right? Like a lot of games are like racing or action or, or, mm-hmm. you know, things like that. So this is a kind of a niche, uh, niche, uh, gaming. And I'm guessing, it, but it, I'm, but I'm guessing it works like you know, other games where you know you have uh, you're playing the game and you go around doing different stuff, and I guess you score more points. So I guess you're going on a date or you're trying to find a partner, and and yeah. the better the better you are, the more likely you are to win. Yeah, we don't have a point system because we okay. again we're trying to make healthy relationships, and we don't think that. In a relationship, if you kind of look at it as winning and losing, you're probably hurting yourself as well as other people. So, so, um, uh, it's, it's basically a story. So you talk to other people in the game. They're all, we script them. So they are computer controlled. It's not actual people. And, uh, uh and you get to know them and they will have dilemmas and you help them solve the dilemmas. And sometimes the dilemma involves more than one person that you meet. So you have to go and, solve problems in different scenes. And as you get to know people, uh, there might be opportunities to flirt with them. And then at certain intervals, you might be able to ask somebody on a date. And then if they say yes to the date, you get to go on a date with them. And it's all pretty gentle. I mean, the dilemmas that people are facing will be things like, um, 
and long story, a lot of the dilemmas because it was for kids uh, revolved around like being honest or feeling shy or being worried about tests at school, like things that a common 14 year old would experience. And so you as the player can help your friends solve their problems. And while you're helping them figure out their life, then they may also flirt with you a bit. And then if you think they're interesting, you can flirt back and then you can end up going on a date. And then as the game kept going for the, the one for younger players, uh, as your relationship ramped up and got a bit more serious, then some of the conflicts would be around your relationship. So you might have the opportunity, for example, to, you know, try to get the person you're dating to get involved in a, a fight you're having with a friend. And so the game would sort of say, in the way we wrote the game, it would be like, maybe it's not a great idea to drag the person you're dating into a fight you're having with a friend. You know, that mm-hmm. that doesn't help your relationship and your friend probably won't love being ganged up on. So we sort of try to gently steer them in the direction of like, if they do end up dragging their new boyfriend or girlfriend into the fight, then they figure out pretty quickly that that was not a great idea. And so then they have to repair the damage that they inadvertently caused. But we try really hard not to judge the player. So we don't do points. We don't do, oh, you failed at that. So the person is going to break up with you. And then in the new game, later daters, uh, the players are older, the characters are older. So some of the dilemmas are a little bit more serious. And so... For example, uh, one of the people you might be interested in is mourning the their wife just died. And so if you're trying to date them, then the thing you're figuring out with them is whether or not they're ready to be dating st- or if they should just stay friends with you because they need a bit more time to mourn the loss of their spouse. And so it's always just uh, like it's mostly conversational. And then mostly the end result of it is that you hopefully feel good about the choices that you've made and you learn a little bit more about the people that you meet in the game that are made up people, mind you. They're not real people. They're characters. <laughs> so, so this is like a single player game then. Yeah, it's, it's definitely not... single player. It's definitely just telling stories. It's basically like if you had your favorite book that you've ever read and in the book you were like, sometimes you're reading a book and the person you're reading about the protagonist, you go, Oh, well, that was a stupid choice. I would never have done that. So in these games, you could be playing the game and you can get to a point and make the choice that you would wish to make. If it's the wrong choice, then the outcome may not be the best experience in the world but you know if you're playing the game the way you want to play it you'll probably be okay with that too so how how uh, how did you get into gaming and 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 is there any particular reason you chose the dating and relationships team sure um i got into gaming as i said from web design So unlike most people who are into games that started out being like, I loved playing games and then I wanted to make them for a living. It was more like I made a lot of other things. I made videos and websites and I don't know what else did I make. I did a lot of silkscreen printing for a while. That was pretty fun. Like I was always doing creative stuff, but I never thought of games. And then Mm -hmm. when I got this job working for a company that made kids tech, I mean, kids always play games. So I got to make really cool games that were attached to television shows for kids, which is really fun. And they were pretty mm-hmm. small. Yeah, like back in the early 2000s, they were all like little flash games. And then from there, I started to think about games with like a little bit more, oh, well, this is a really fun medium. And there's like a lot more, it can be a lot more creative and you can create much more immersive environments and worlds than in websites or in movies. So when that job ended, that was the first time I had an idea to make a game. And the reason I wanted to make a dating game was because I was thinking a lot about kids and how they thought about digital tools and how they use them. And I realized that we had a lot 
there was a lot going on at the time. It was like 2010. And there was a lot going on around then about cyberbullying and about especially girls being bullied for choices they made about relationships through the Internet. So like stuff like slut shaming or people setting, you know, inappropriate pictures back and forth through a school so that a girl would feel really embarrassed to go to school. And I thought all of that was like appalling and it made me really sad because when I was growing up, we didn't have the Internet. So there's no way any of that could have happened. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wanted to make a game that would help kids to sort of, you know, like most kids, I think I think kids are great. I think they're smart. I think most of the stuff that they do that is hurtful usually comes from a place of not knowing how to get what they want in a better way. <laughs> like they're not trying to be evil a lot of the time. They just they're just kind of not being taught how to get their meet, their needs met in a respectful way. So I thought, well, if, if kids are right now doing all this gross stuff on the Internet where they're showing, sharing naked pictures of each other, probably that means that their schools aren't telling them anything about how to actually be nice to each other. And then I looked mm-hmm. into how sex education is taught in schools, and it did seem like there was a lot of focus on here's how to not get an STD or here's how to go get a pregnancy test, but absolutely no information on if you like somebody in your class and you're really shy to talk to them and you want to talk to them really badly, but you're afraid that your friends are going to laugh at you, here's some tools for going and getting over that fear. Or here's some tools to tell your friends to lay off so that they, you can go talk to the person that you like so that they'll stop bugging you. You know, like, so we wanted mm-hmm. to make a game that was about having a relationship as opposed to about winning or losing or you know, racking up points because we wanted to show kids that like having a relationship is really just about figuring out how you want to be respectful to other people, but also how you want to make choices to make sure that you're saying what you need and what you want in a way that is fair. Oh, that's, that's, uh, that's pretty interesting. So I guess you, you, you felt that there was a gap in the school system in terms of, you know, helping mm-hmm. kids understand how to figure out like dating and relationships and and you are basically cre- using your game as as a platform to teach that to <laughs> to the, to people to uh, to young people and to people in general so that's mm-hmm. uh, that's pretty interesting um from so from your experience i guess now that you've been uh running this company for eight years now so you feel that you know, people, despite the availability of of this free content and all these free apps, people are uh, are still willing to pay for good games and good content. Uh, it's always no. It's always going down now. It's not the best. <laughs> it's, it's a bigger problem than just me. Uh, yeah, there's just I don't know. You'd have to call like the presidents of Apple and everywhere else to to figure out what's going on there. I mean, the market is just weird right now. There's so much, like, I mean, free-to-play is making it really hard for everybody. The fact that I don't want to release free-to-play doesn't make it the right model. <laughs> you know, like, it's a it's a model that rewards really deep pockets. It rewards an extor- like an extortionate ad spend. You know, like, if you're looking at devoting 100 and, what is it, like, it's like eight, 75% of your revenue goes in to make 25 or something stupid like that. Uh-huh. Like, it's it's not worth it. You might as well just stay small and keep diversifying and do stuff that, in my opinion, like, I'm not a business school graduate. But I, I don't, like, our plan is not to try to 
become a massive behemoth company that can afford to spend a hundred million dollars on ads and try to keep, you know, like a whole bunch of daily active users in the hopes that like 2% of them will spend money. Like it's mm-hmm. just, it's just, it's not, it's not a, it's not a, a mode that encourages creativity or risk taking. And I don't think it provides value to players. So no, are we making a ton of money? No. Are we ever going to make a ton of money? No. Are we trying to figure out ways to survive as a company that means that we can make enough money? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, so not, I'm also curious, uh, in this whole, uh, pandemic era that we live in now, um, has that increased mobile gaming or gaming or has, has it decreased mm-hmm. gaming? And especially the premium games where people actually buy the content. Mm-hmm. I don't know if we'll know until like a quarter or so from now. A lot of different events got canceled and some of those events, it's kind of the same with cinema, right? Like movies got canceled and mm-hmm. the theater dates got postponed. So I think a lot of games decided not to ship at a time or they announced at E3, like they were going to announce at E3 and then the E3 got canceled. So I think some big games are choosing not to announce or not to release in this moment. I think other games like Fortnite, like established games that are out there are trying really hard to capitalize on the fact that people are at home and looking for things yeah. to do. Uh, we chose to launch our game because to not do so would have cost us too much money. Like we needed that income to, to get through the next three months. Um, it's very hard for me to say whether or not it was a good idea because we hadn't launched a new product in like three years. So, so I can't judge it against years past to go whether we made more money or lost money this year, but it was certainly interesting to try to see all of our PR efforts up against the coronavirus news. It does seem like yeah. people are wanting, they're wanting good things that make them feel good. And I think our games do that. So that's good. Um, yeah, I mean, I think time will tell. I really hope that everything, it would be my dream that this does not end up being a bigger economic out, uh, fallout. If the only thing that happens is that we sell a few, fewer games, I will be happy. Is what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, you know, <laughs> there has been, there has been so much conversation about the impact of this and, and, yeah. I, I'm, I mean, I'm by no means an economic expert, but I am already, I'm already convinced that this has, this has done or this will do more damage than the 2008 crisis that happened. Yeah, uh, it's definitely, I think it's, I think it's already crossed that level of damage and, uh, to, uh, and it's not just financial damage, you know, it's like if, if, if the psychological, you know, mm-hmm. at least, at least in 08, you could, you could go out and, you know, you could, yeah, you, could yeah, meet, yeah. you could meet people and talk to yeah, people. Yeah, this is unreal. <laughs> this is it's like, there's whole is, industries are going to get wiped out and who knows what they're going to be replaced with. And it's, it's nutty because it's hurting the people. It's exposing so many, speaking of technology, it's exposing so many weaknesses, you know, like Uber and Airbnb are being gutted right now because they have no insurance to cover any of the people who use their platforms. Well, yeah, so right. some are, yeah, some industries are taking a really big hit, and yeah. and when you watch the news, it's just so, it's depressing because like every day there's talk about this. It's, it's like every single day, it's mm-hmm. uh, there's some discussion about death figures, or now there's some thing yeah. in the news about like landlord and tenant disputes yeah. or conflicts that seem to be happening. So it's yeah, it's definitely. I mean, like yeah. 
what you're suggesting it would be nice if if the only impact was you know you sell a, f- a few less games but i think it's the already much more than that yeah but <laughs> and 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 it was interesting like certain industries or certain companies um not most but certain companies or industries like amazon for example they they definitely they're definitely having a good time uh mm-hmm. because you know people are doing online shopping and as you said like some people were some companies think it's a, it's a great time because people are in their homes and you know they have more times to watch content or to play games uh yeah. that that is definitely definitely true um so so yeah i guess it could be good thing for the gaming industry it could be a bad thing for the gaming industry i mean some games as you said are not got got delayed while some are taking advantage so it's uh, I, was, I guess sorry oh i was going to say i just i the games industry is interesting cuz people can keep working on games cuz they're some games cuz they're digital but uh-huh. the games that rely on like motion capture or any kind of in person filming are as stuck as the ga- as the movie industry is right now and it's well, kind of sim- you know esports and sporting events are all canceled so anybody who enjoyed live live esports they're not they were about to take over the world live esports and it's that's happening not right now at all so that's another year or two behind where it was going to be at this point mm-hmm. so it's really interesting to see the ripple effect of all of the shutdowns across entertainment you know like there's all these jokes about like you know I've finished Netflix but like the reality is if people can't go out and film new content if game people can't get together and produce new 3D mocap cutscenes for the games they're working on, that at a certain point we will run out of content. So like, <laughs> as, an, as an entertainment person, I'm always like, what will happen when we run out of content? Like they're rebroadcasting sports events right now that already happened because sports sports fans can't watch any new games right now. Mm-hmm. So that's so the the first thing to hit is like theater and sports because those are time sensitive. But at some point we're going to run out of television shows because they can't shoot any new television series right now. Yeah, yeah, the, that industry is also taking a taking a taking a big hit. I guess what people do will do is like maybe they'll start watching TV shows from the 80s or the 90s or mm-hmm. watch or rewatch them, right? Watch the classics again. <laughs> think about it, like you know, like the games are in a better position. But if you think about reality television. Reality television 100% relies on a shooting schedule that's like we shoot one year and then we show it the next year. And then while we're showing that year, we're shooting the year that's about to come. So this whole year for them, is uh, it's a dud. So they have this year's stuff that they're showing right now, which they shot last year. But when you get to spring or when it's January of 2021, they're going to have nothing because they can't shoot it right now. And there's tons of people who love reality television. What are they going to do with their time? <laughs> That's that that reality television is like a huge sub industry within the Yeah. I mean, I'm not that into it, but the people who love it like that's tons and tons of jobs and time open, you know, like the fans are going to want something and all the people who aren't doing that work right now are broke. So I never think about it in terms of like I mean, I do think about it in terms of it's horrible that they're not being able to shoot right now. It's horrible that they probably don't have any money right now, but the shutdown will end at some point. And that audience will still be there. And the people who know that that world are still there. So what are they going to come up with that is going to respond to that need 
and that they can produce in a very short period of time. Like, I'm very curious to see what happens. And that's that's an interesting point. Uh, it's like how how they will try, to, how will they provide fresh content uh, yeah. in this day of 24-7 streaming and online yeah. streaming and TV, uh, TV shows and whatnot. It's going to be that, a famine now, and then there's going to be so much production happening as soon as the shutdown ends. And people who have the skills are going to be run off their feet. That's that's possible. They might actually increase their production even more just to compensate yeah. uh, for the lost time and the lost. Uh, well, yeah, and it's going to be horrible. We're going to get. A, I think we're going to get like four years of junk because all the time that is usually spent in preparation, no, nobody will have that, and we'll all just get used to it for a little while, and then the rhythm <laughs> will be reestablished, and then we'll go back to having good television and good games and good sporting events. Mm-hmm. But there's going to be two years where everybody's tired and working two jobs. <laughs> it's, and now, now that we're talking about television, I'm curious what kind of uh, what kind of uh, television shows do you do you watch? Like uh, watching, do, are you allowed into games? Are you allowed into mm. uh, shows, documentaries? What do you like? Uh, well, because we write fiction, I like to read and watch a lot of fictional stuff. So I read a lot of fiction books and I watch a lot of TV shows that are fictional sometimes i do like a couple of reality television shows but not really i only like the ones about like baking and flower decorating and like creative mm-hmm. ones and then uh the occasional documentary lately what was the last we just watched solar opposites that's what we just finished which is the show by the people who did rick and morty that was really funny and oh and we really loved two canadian ones i like the family loved kim's convenience and Shit's creek those were both excellent so, oh yeah, I, I I often see their trailers, but I haven't actually watched them. But but you oh really? They're, they're actually funny, eh? Like Kim's oh, convenience. Oh, so good. Yeah. Okay. Are you like? Are you from Toronto? You're yeah, from yeah. Toronto? I, I I I. Kim's I, convenience I, I, is I, shot you, all over Toronto. It's really funny. You can just oh, like hang out. You can see streets that you'll be like, oh, I don't remember. That's funny. Like it's ev- it's everywhere in that city. Wow, that's interesting. So yeah. um, the other thing that I wanted to, to talk about is, uh, you know, uh, running your own small independent business from from uh, your place. So I believe you're based in uh, Peterborough. I uh, am, but then the rest of my team is elsewhere. There are people all over, mostly around Toronto, but also in other towns. Okay, okay. So you're based in Peterborough, and then you have your team in different parts of uh, GTA. So you yeah. have like, uh, so it seems like you have a remote operation, uh, regardless of the pandemic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We never, we used to meet once or twice a month in town and we would just like, uh, use one of those remote working spaces and rent an office or rent a meeting room. But, uh, yeah, since the pandemic, it's been only online, which is okay. <laughs> so I guess it not, wasn't, not the best. Uh, I guess it wasn't extremely difficult for you to adjust, uh, to the whole uh, social distancing and shutdown thing because a lot of your operations was yeah. already remote. Yeah, exactly. It was more or less the same. We missed some events that we wanted to go to to support the launch of the game that were in the United States, but generally production has stayed the same. Mm-hmm. And uh, because you your business is based out of Peterborough, um, uh, it's not in Toronto, which is absolutely fine, but do you think um being part of a town 
Um, are there any benefits or cons, uh, disadvantages to that? Uh, do you feel? Hmm. Um, me personally, no, because I really like it here. But I, I know that for other people, I'm also like a bit older. I'm 43 now, I think. I think. You think? Yes. <laughs> you get to a certain point and it's like every birthday is the same. You're just like, ah, older. Uh, so I don't need to go out as much. Like I feel like I have a pretty solid sense of what the industry is like. And if there's an event, I can go to Toronto to it. And then socially, like my family is here and we're happy here. So I don't mind. But I think for younger people, it's more important for them to feel like they're in Toronto where the jobs yeah. are and where the gaming events are and where they, you know, where they can have a social community that is, I think, a little bit more robust. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Some people do like to be a part of the a big city where, you know, there's a lot of buzz happening. And, you know, yeah. you can, if you, especially if you're working downtown after work, you can go somewhere uh, and yeah. just hang out and chill. But, you know, there, there's definitely lots of businesses that, uh, are not part of big cities and they're in sur- suburbs and towns and, yep. uh, and they work uh, out of there. So I guess, I guess, you know, it comes down to individual preferences and uh, how, how you make the most of what you have. Yeah. Sorry, what was the question again? No, and I was just making a point. It, it really just comes down to individual preferences. Yeah. And making the most of what you have. Um, now in terms of your, uh, Bloom Digital Company. Uh, what are your plans for the next, let's say, 12 to 24 months in terms of where you want to take the business? What kind of products or games you want to launch? Uh, what do you have in mind? Hmm, that's all secret. Um, <laughs> just surviving. No, I, I think mostly, I mean, we do have a couple of things that I'm not, I can't talk about yet, but uh, we were we're working on a pilot project to create a web series for the game Long Story. So that would be a companion to the game, but it would be on YouTube probably. And it would be like linear content that was about the game, but not a game. So that's going to be interesting. It's our first time making something that's not, that's like a TV show instead of a game. And then, yeah, it's going to be neat. We're making two little mini episodes and then producing three scripts. And then hopefully we can sell that to CBC or somewhere and make it a bigger, a bigger production. Is this something you're going to shoot or is it animated? How's it going to be? That is still up in the air. I think the reason we're going to try to do two pilots is that I want to do a combo of live action and animation. And then my co-producer would like it to be all animation. So rather than fight it out, we're going to make two little mini trailers and then put them in front of fans and see what wins. Oh, so you, you I hope my to, idea wins, but if it loses, then we'll just do all animation. So you, your idea is like to literally like shoot it with real actors and, and, and yeah, and it's kind of like a combo. Like the actors would, I haven't quite, the vision in my head is kind of like the actors talk and it would be like a FaceTime conversation so that we could do it while people are in their houses. And then when oh. they're talking about things that happened, it would transition into an animation when they're telling the story. So that both um, the live action would bookend an animation in the middle. But my co-producer, I think, is a bit worried that that's going to be really choppy for the audience. So she thinks it should just stay all animation. But we can still use the device of having people talking to each other via FaceTime so that it seems contemporary. That's... Uh... 
that's that's interesting that those are two two um different ideas and i guess i guess what you want to do is you want to launch these and and see how your the the users and the fans respond yeah. to this yeah and so, then that way it can also be like a bit of marketing because we can say vote for your favorite and share with your friends and then people will go oh my god there's going to be a long story web series that's amazing even though we don't really have a deal, but if we get enough interest in the idea, then we can take that to the producers, the TV stations and go, or the broadcasters and say, look, this many people voted for this idea. So we know it's a good idea. Now we need to make the whole season. So this, and, and I guess as you said, you're and we can do it all from home because we're animating. <laughs> that, that's the, that's the advantage of animation. And like you can, you can yeah. uh, do it remotely. And yeah. and um, this will this will obviously be in the theme of the game, so it's going to be about uh, dating and relationships. Yeah. Okay. Which is why and I also think the FaceTime could work well, because then if the kids kids today are feeling very much like they're, you know, it's all it's again it's always going to be like two years behind. If we make the focus of the web series be this idea of everybody being separate, by the time it's live, nobody will have that anymore. So we're trying to kind of. I don't know. Thread a bit of a needle. That's that's uh, interesting. Um, and and I guess you were also telling you about your other plans for the next uh, twelve to twenty four months. Oh, I, uh, just porting later daters. So hopefully getting it onto some other platforms. Okay, that's that's uh, pretty interesting. Like web series yeah. is something I'm I'm also personally interested in, even though I'm I have no no background in gaming or anything like that, but I, I would definitely like to check it out. Uh, when do you plan to launch it? No idea yet. We're in very early days. Okay. Okay. And I'm, yeah, it would be nice if, if, uh, CBC or any big production house takes interest in that and makes mm-hmm. it in, makes it into an actual, actual, uh, show or series. Yeah. It'd be wonderful. Yeah, absolutely. Perfect. Um, and um, I was reading on your uh, website, it all says that in your team you have like artists and writers. So I'm guessing all of them contribute to the gaming or do you also have like a writing team for uh, different kinds of creative things that you do? Uh, no, it's all just gaming. We do not have other things. Okay, that's pretty interesting. Um, and um, where, where can we find your products if we want <laughs> to? Uh, you said I think Good I think you mentioned, you mentioned some platforms earlier. Yeah, so we're on Switch and we're on Steam. If you want to buy the games Long Story and Later Daters, and if okay. you are a mobile gamer, then Long Story but not Later Daters is available on iOS and Android. Okay, that's awesome. Well, uh, perfect. Thank you so much for taking the time and talking about your products and also. Um, about yourself and uh, yeah. I'm really looking forward to the trailers that uh, you <laughs> will maybe, maybe hopefully some point this year so thank yeah. you so much for taking the time yeah have a great afternoon thanks for doing this yeah you too uh, listeners if you would like to learn more about Bloom Digital you can always visit visit their website I believe it's uh, bloomdigital.com and no, it's uh, dot .to .to Dot you don't have dot com, yeah. Okay, I don't know dot. who has <laughs> They won't sell it to us. 
so bloom bloom digital dot co or to like toronto okay so yeah if you want to learn more about bloom digital you can visit bloom digital dot to and uh, check out the website and uh, see some nice clips and thank you so much for listening to zonecast and stay tuned for more episodes